and welcome to the Mailbox Rogues Gallery, the fortnightly podcast in which we take a figure from history or fiction and see if they're worthy for our metaphorical mailbox of rogues. My name's Birch. My name's Sean. Hello. You sort of stuttered a little bit there, like you've forgotten your own name. I wonder if that got picked up by the tape. Yeah, well, I I lead such a busy lifestyle that I find sometimes I can't even remember who I am. Well, I was going to say, you are looking really stressed. You've been kind of tearing your hair out a bit at the moment, haven't you? Yeah, it's it's coming out in clumps. Metric clumps, you could say. Okay, a little callback there. A little callback. I have been feeling it recently. It's just the the stress of running such an important podcast, I think. We're media men, of course. Media men. I'm just letting it get to me, I think, which I know I shouldn't, but it comes with the territory, I guess. Well, look, I mean, I've got something that might help. Um, I've just been recently introduced to this uh, great group of people, and they've given me this brilliant tool. Ooh. Uh, It's called an e-meter, or outside of our circles, you might call it a, a stress test. So if you want, I can give you a free stress test right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess. I, I was expecting like a medicine or, or something like that. Hey, this is medicine for the mind. Much better, much better. Well, if it helps, it helps. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Right, I've got just got this little device here. Oh, um, that's odd. Yeah, don't worry about what any of the readings on the meter mean. I can interpret that. You just hold on to these two uh, metal rods. Right, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there we go. And I'll just ask you some pertinent questions and we'll just see how the e-meter reacts. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So, um, how are you? How was your day? My day's been okay. Today's not been too... Oh, that is... No, sorry, I'll let you finish. No, what's it saying? Don't worry about what it says, just finish. Uh, um, yeah, it's it's not been going... Well, I don't think it's been oh going God. too bad. Oh, God. Oh God. Sorry, yeah. I don't understand correct. Um, I mean, maybe it has, hasn't been that great. Um, I, I mean, I was late for my bus this morning. Yeah. Um, you, you dear, poor, poor man. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than that, I don't think it's been too bad. Well, I'll be honest, that's not what this device is telling me. Um, according to this, you probably have a matter of months to live. If what? You, if you don't significantly reduce your stress levels. Because I missed my bus. Yeah, well, it's the stress. It's not just the stress, though, of the bus, is it? It's It's everything that's wrong in your mind. Wait a minute, what, what is this thing? I've never heard of this before. You've never heard of an e-meter? Well, I, I mean, I've got one I mean, in my flat to track my electricity, but other than that... Yeah, I mean, in my circles, like I say, we use them all the time. What what circles are these? I've not mentioned my new uh, my new gang of people I'm hanging out with. Well, I, I wondered where you've been going of evenings, but what, what... Well, actually, I first met them. They had one of these e-meters. They did a stress test on me, yeah. And then they, uh, they obviously diagnosed me as having some severe problems, and they brought me back to their church. Been helping me ever since. Church? Yeah. Church of Scientology. Oh, Sean. Sean, 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 Sean. Listen, they have told me the good word about this amazing man called L. Ron Hubbard. Lives in a cupboard. No. No. Well, I mean, he lives in a coffin, so I guess you could call that a cupboard of sorts. No, but I mean, he was this absolutely astounding individual, creator and founder of the Church of Scientology. He was a scientist a nuclear physician, a philanthropist, a soldier, a writer, and just an all-round great thinking mind. I mean, I, I don't know if, if you've done any like research in, into these these people. Only what the Scientologists have told me. Yeah, they might not be all they're cracked up to be, is all I'm saying, if, if you dig a little bit deeper. Well, mate, I'm going on what they've told me about L. Ron Hubbard. He's the, the main draw for me. He's the main draw for me. 
yeah, I, I mean, I think you could do with digging a bit deeper into his life as well, to be honest, because he's a bit of a shady guy. Shady? What are you talking about? You could say he's a bit slim shady of uh, of sorts, but uh, yeah, he... In, in 90s white mainstream rapper. That's right, he's got, yeah. Um, there are parallels, I, I think, that you could mm, draw. Okay. I mean, I didn't have any plans for who we were going to talk about this episode. I was going to probably talk about my parents. But what we could... Your parents are very interesting people. They're very roguish, but we can can save that for another time. Maybe the final episode will do a big reveal about your history. (laughs) My parentage. I mean, the the, the audience have been champing at the bit for a long time to find out about your dark history. Dying to know since episode one. Mm. But... We can talk about L. Ron Hubbard. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to go in the mailbox. Um, if you find... Oh, you're thinking of him as a candidate for the mailbox rogues gallery. Oh, yeah, total rogue. You reckon? Oh, yeah. Well, personally, I find that quite offensive. I think you're going to have to convince me. Well, we can discuss the pros and cons, as we always do. See where we get towards the end. See what we both think. All right, hang on. I'm going to write a list. Pros and cons. Pro, con. Okay. Convince me. Okay. Well, can I start with telling you what I know about Elron? Uh, please do, yeah. LRH, as some people call him. Well, I mean, apart from being the founder of Scientology, which he formed in 1954, one of the biggest and fastest growing religions in the world. That's true. So I'm going to, under pro, I'm going to put brilliant. Yeah, that's all I'm writing there. Well. Brilliant man. Maybe we should stick to the actual yeah, facts rather yeah, than well, opinion. Well, anyway. Um, he was also a best-selling author of science fiction books before he even started going down the road of religion. That yeah, I mean, what, maybe we should stop there. I mean, he he did make a, a very good career as a science fiction writer. Had many hundreds of short stories published. He cranked them out. Aren't you a little bit sceptical that, like, a leader of a spiritual movement had his kind of roots in make-believe bollocks? Are you saying there's some sort of line that you can draw between the two that hangs them together? I think there could be parallels with his writing. Well, I'm not sure. Under prose, because of his science fiction writing, I've just written lovely chap. So that's two bullet points in the pro column. Again, I mean, maybe we should stick with the facts rather than opinion. All right, okay, well, if you say so, what have you got to say about him then? Let's start from the beginning. So he, he was born 1911, born in Nebraska, only child. There you go, there's another pro. Mummy's special boy. Is that a pro? Well, for his mum. Sure, she's very happy. Well, I'm, an only, I'm an only child and my mum can't stand the sight of me. <laughs> I told you, we're going to get into your parentage some other time. <laughs> And uh, during his early years, he used to move uh, around a lot. His father was in the Navy. So uh, because of that, I'm going to write World Explorer. Well, yeah, I mean, Explorer. I mean, travel's meant to kind of broaden the mind, you could say. Yeah. On his uh, travels, he did get to go to many amazing places. He went to places like Guam, Japan, China. What he took from that, and these are his own personal words, is he referred to them in very derogatory, racist terms, and thought of them all as lazy and ignorant. Now, travel's meant to broaden the mind, yet he was kind of taking them to task a bit. So I I, I think we can put that in the con column. Con. Okay, well, look, I'm going to concede... Racialist. Racialist. That's what I'm going to write. Racialist. Slash racist. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I never said he was perfect. 
You know, Jim Davidson, he's somebody who has a lot to say on the subject of race. And uh, he's still one of your favourite comedians. Hey, one of my favourite science fiction authors as well. <laughs> There's a whole aspect of him I wasn't aware of. Absolutely. But yeah, so he uh, did a lot of travelling in his uh, younger years. And also, as he uh, got a bit older, he studied civil engineering at George Washington University. So That's like building bridges and that, isn't it? So I'm going to put under the pro column, intellectual. Yeah, I mean, he was a clever man. Yeah, there we go. I've underlined it. During his uh, time at uni, I mean, he'd uh, spend his time in the, the local SU, as, as any student would. Play, as we all did. Playing pool, putting Franz Ferdinand on the jukebox. Ah, oh, brilliant. Take me out. What yeah. a tune. <laughs> Darker the matinee. Absolutely. Hang on, that song. Those songs came out in two thousand and five. I mean, even for us, that would have been retro by the time we were at uni. Maybe, maybe because it's such a timeless song. Uh, yes, absolutely. That it just yeah. feels like it was. It's always been around. <laughs> but so Hubbard, during his uh, last semester, he did arrange for an expedition to the Caribbean. So again, kind of carrying on his travelling ways. Mm -hmm. World explorer. Yeah. And he uh, organised an expedition for 50 young gentlemen rovers. Oh, wow. So he wanted a, a crew of 50 men, specifically, to go to the Caribbean. And the aims of which were basically what he would call the Caribbean Motion Picture Expedition, where he was going around filming pirates. Really? Yep, actual ARG pirates. Wow. I mean... I thought that you were going to say some stuff to kind of disparage Elron Hubbard, but if anything, you're just impressing me more. Well, I mean, on the surface, filming pirates does sound cool. It sounds really cool. I'm going to put that down. Cool. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you... Look, that's in the pro column now. I've written cool. Why did you choose to write in pen so we can't amend <laughs> anything? <laughs> well, that's, the, that's day one of Scientology school. They teach you that. <laughs> Always use a pen. Yeah. Carry a little pen with you. Basically, ten people quit... And storms blew the ship far off course to Bermuda. And then 11 more members quit. Hubbard himself blamed the uh, the problem on the ship's dour Captain Garfield. Captain <laughs> Garfield? Yeah. Garfield is quite dour, isn't he? Well, I think what happened was they set off on a Monday, which off is a terrible start. And on the expedition, they naturally took stuff where they would kind of ward off scurvy. So lots of lemons and fruits and things of that nature. Of course, yeah. But they didn't take any lasagna, which, as a seafarer... It's an essential. It is. An Especially if your captain is an orange cat yeah. who loves lasagna. I mean, the other thing that could possibly be to blame is they were selling quite close to the Bermuda Triangle. If they're anywhere near Bermuda. Hmm. So potentially, this was uh, always going to happen. And I don't really understand that, because if you see a great big bloody triangle in the ocean. Mm. I mean, the first thing I'd think is that maybe we shouldn't sail in that direction. Are you thinking of one of those traffic warning signs you get out of your boot and place on the road if you've broken down on the motorway, like a flashing triangle? Is that what you think it is? Well, yeah, you know, like Bermuda, a pyramid of the sea. That's what they call it, yeah, they do call it that. Mm. Well, I don't know if he can be blamed necessarily for... Uh, I mean, I don't even... To be honest, it still sounds pretty cool, filming pirates. Yeah, I, get, I mean... Are you changing for something to put down in the con list? Well, I mean, we're just talking about his early life so far. I mean, it, it's when he kicks in later on yeah, all that right. things really start to... I mean, I will be honest, I think most of the points that you've put in there aren't exactly uh, sound. Well, I think they're indisputable. Well, you've been brainwashed, my friend, <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> Look, are you going to argue that as an only child he wouldn't have been Mummy's special boy? 
That's one of the points in the pro list. I mean, it might possibly be. He might have been molly coddled. Doesn't mean he's not special. <laughs> All right, well, maybe there's something later on in his life that you feel would illustrate your point which you're doing such a terrible job of getting across so far. All right, all right. Well, maybe we should talk about his uh, career as a writer. Okay, yeah. He's a great writer. Prolific. Prolific, absolutely. Mm. How many books do you think he wrote? Well, I know in about six years he published about 140 short stories. That's quite a lot of stories. Went... How short were they? Were some of them like one or two words? Because or... I could knock a few of them out. What, like two-word stories? Yeah. Shortest story I know is probably three words. Yeah. Stationary store moves. <laughs> I mean, that's got it all, hasn't it, really? It's got intrigue. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a kind of a warm character. It leaves you wanting more, definitely. Yeah, as any good story should. Yeah. It leaves questions left unanswered, but it also answers enough questions that you feel fulfilled. Ah, absolutely, yeah. But you reckon his short stories were probably a bit longer than that? I reckon they were, yeah. And he went by lots of different names. Oh, really? When he wrote... Winchester Remington Colt. Winchester Remington Colt. Look, I'm underlining cool again. You think <laughs> you, th you think guns are cool? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> They've really got you, haven't they? Uh. They've done a number on you. <laughs> How did you get indoctrinated in the first place? I told you. I was stressed. They gave me a test to tell me I was stressed. What? I was actually having a really good day. I just won the lottery. And also been offered a new job as Director General of the BBC. And it was my birthday. So I was having a great day. I don't know why I was so stressed. Right. I think we found the angle here. Now, you say you were having a great day. Yeah, wonderful. Probably the best day of my life. I, it, it sounds great just listening to Yeah. Me. Why would they find stress in your system if you were having such a great day? Well, I mean, it was buried deeply. For all the past traumas I've had in my life were contributing. What traumas? Well, um, there was that time I fell over, banged my knee. You remember, don't you? Yeah, it was hilarious. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny, actually, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, because I was carrying that wedding cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, my whole face went into it. Yeah, and then I came out and the bride and the groom were sat on top of my head. Oh, yeah. And what was funniest of all is that we didn't even know who the bride and groom were. No, I mean, it wasn't my cake. No, we were taking the cake. Yeah, we were robbing it. <laughs> it was a lovely looking cake. It's yeah. saw a good looking cake and we we took an opportunity. The size of the cake, and it was a, it was a very small wedding. I don't think they could have eaten all of that cake. No. Whereas no. I'm quite confident that we could have put it to good use, that cake, like feeding ourselves and maybe even some homeless people. Yeah, I mean, don't forget, I mean, it wasn't cake all the way through. There was a person inside the cake ready to jump out. Yeah, I, for I completely forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Marilyn Manson was in the cake. You know the pop singer? That's right, yeah. Oh, no, it's all coming back to me now. I, I forgot now, and I forgot at the time, because when I got the, the cake slicer and started... You, you mean the knife? Cake slicer. <laughs> okay, carry on. It's a special thing, a cake slicer. Bigger than a knife. Is that true? It is very true. Okay, fair enough. So I got the cake slicer... And I started really digging in. I got myself quite a big slice. All of a sudden, I just heard like a... Ah! So what the hell was that? It's like it's coming from the cake. And then I just like opened it up, and there he is. Old Brian, Marilyn. Brian Warner, yeah. Missing a foot. 
Yeah, well, that's why I had to pick up the cake and we had to run off, didn't we? <laughs> once once he started screaming, people were alerting to our theft. We, we were just walking through this auditorium with a screaming cake <laughs> saying, this man needs to see a doctor. <laughs> Rushing him to a hospital. Yeah. That's what we told them we were doing. Yeah, and as you remember, as soon as we got outside of the building, I tripped over, fell into the cake, hmm. banged my knee. No, you're right, that wasn't very traumatic, that was hilarious. It, traumatic for Marilyn Manson, but that's by the by, isn't it? Yeah, well... I mean, he's never happy. No, exactly, he's a miserable son. The whole uh, car journey, he was just moaning and whining. It's just like, oh, I got put in a cake. Uh, we offered him as much cake as he wanted. Yeah. There was no way we were going to finish it. I mean, even he must like a bit of cake. Yeah. But apparently not. Anyway, so no, you're right, that's probably not really... Much of a trauma. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, what they told you this was a, a trauma. I've, I've heard that they basically, in a way to make you relive and really feel a trauma, mm. they get you to kind of tell the story over and over and over again. So you. I'm happy to tell the story, though, is the thing. It, it, it's a great anecdote, and it's worked treats for us whenever we've gone out and met new people. Mm. It's a real icebreaker, that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had to tell this story for six hours, and they were trying to find the trauma in that to make you feel bad. Yeah, I guess so. I still feel pretty good about it. I mean, isn't that a kind of an indicator that you're dealing with some nefarious people? I mean, when you put it like that, it doesn't sound great. No, not at all. They they want to make you feel bad so that they can sell books to you and, and other things. Oh, I mean, there were other incidents, other traumas, which I really feel they've helped me turn a corner on. All right, well, like... There was that time you put a whoopee cushion under my seat and I sat down and it made a farting noise and everybody laughed. See, you're laughing now. <laughs> Again, that's not trauma. You laughed at that, I swear. Yeah, oh yeah, it was pretty funny, actually, wasn't it? No, you see, this is worrying because they're going to damage you so badly that if anyone tells you a joke or slips up or does something inherently funny, you're going to find trauma in that. I will say, since I since I joined the Church of Scientology, I've been finding people slipping on banana skins a lot less funny. And when I took you to that open mic night, that comedy night, yeah, you're screaming the whole way through. It all makes sense now. To be fair, open mic night comedy isn't very good. <laughs> I would have been what? screaming anyway. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I was expecting more yawning than screaming terror. No, I don't know. Maybe I just don't have room for my life for humour anymore now that I'm emotionally and spiritually fulfilled. Emotionally and spiritually fulfilled, or void. Like an empty egg. That's right. You're you're a Kinder egg without the toy. Right? Oh my <laughs> god, that's a powerful metaphor. That cuts right through <laughs> me. That does. <laughs> now you're really speaking to me on my baser levels. Well, you've got me worried now. Do you really think I'm indoctrinated? I don't think you're beyond hope, but I think they've done a real number on you. Will you help me? I'll help you, my son. Can you call me your wayward son? <laughs> Yes, I will, my wayward son. We, that, will, we will join you with the flock. That feels better already. Good. <laughs> Maybe I've got things wrong about this LRH guy. Tell me a few more cons. Well, old fucker Hubbard, as he would like to be known. Ooh. Try and stop me, Scientologists. <laughs> I know we're kind of really backing ourselves into a corner and maybe cutting off the strong Scientology following we have with this podcast. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, friendship is more important than listenership. Oh, so it's a beautiful moment. I'm glad we caught that on tape. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm willing to lose 70% of our audience. Which is, yes, the current Scientologist proportion mm -hmm. of our audience are, is about 70%. 
absolutely. I'm willing to sacrifice that. So Hubbard famously wrote this document called Dianetics, the Modern Science of Mental Health, which is kind of like what the Bible is for Christianity. This is for Scientology in many ways. A holy scripture. Yeah, well, written by a mad science fiction author. Yeah, but a very convincing science fiction author. That could be said about him. He had a, a way with dealing with people in, I guess you'd say, quite a manipulative manner. Mm. So the book is basically a system of psychotherapy that he uh, developed, which included a lot of different things like Eastern philosophy, a little bit of Freud, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what they've been doing to me. Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a yeah, little bit of the other. <laughs> exactly. God. Now, he, uh, he called it a milestone for man. This is his exact quote. A milestone for man comparable to the discovery of fire and superior to his invention of the wheel and the ark. Now, sounds to me like he was quite a big fan of his own book. I'm going to put in the con column on my list, big head. Something it, we can agree on? I think we can definitely agree that he was quite egotistical. Quite a big head. Rather large head. And are you saying, though, that he's wrong? Can I just clarify that? I am saying, well, I mean... I mean, I'm, when was the last time you used fire? When was the last time you actually made and used a fire to cook something or, or make light? Two days ago when I torched that building. Okay. Are we, are we like, auditing you now for Scientology or you're just happy to talk about this? Yeah, it's not a trauma. Okay. Not for me. What, um, bu what building did you torch? Was the, the Houses of Parliament. Well, I mean, I'll be honest, it's quite a political statement you've made there. Did they catch you? Political? You know what goes on in the Houses of Parliament, do you? Mm, no. No, I, what is it? It's where they have Parliament. What, that funk band from the 70s? No, not George Clinton's Parliament. Oh, thank God, because if I'd killed any of them, I don't think I could no, live with no. myself. Theresa May's Parliament. Don't, before you ask, she's not a 70s P-funk band leader. Okay, well, no, as long as she's not one of those, <laughs> then that's, that's fine. I can I can rest easy. So, um, what do they do there? In Parliament? Oh, it's like uh, government and law, uh, arguing, political parties. Um, is any of this... You've actually... Birch! <laughs> actually managed to fall asleep halfway through what I was talking about. Now, that's not good podcasting, is it? Not really. Well, last time I did that was when I torched the place and I woke up and it was just set aflame. All right. I just started running. Well, while you're asleep. Well, yeah, sleep ran. Well, no, I woke. <laughs> I woke up. I woke up. I looked up. Saw the building was on fire. Saw matches in my hand. I was just like, right, put two and two together here, make four. This is probably it's, me. It's that probably did me. This. Yeah. <laughs> I should probably run. Yeah. And I did. You've got a habit of sleep arson, don't you? Sleep arson about. I'm always doing it. I don't know what it is. It's just the building, the look of it. I didn't even know what was going on in that place. Just didn't... the look of the building just offended me. Well, Birch, you're nothing if not an aestheticist. Well, if you're going to use such slanderous terms, then maybe we shouldn't continue this conversation. Let's get back to LRH, because... No, actually, let's talk more about the asking about what you do when you're asleep. Right, I okay. thought we'd agreed that you'd get strapped down at night. You see, the thing is, in addition to the sleep arson and sleep walking and sleep running, mm. I've also started amazingly doing sleep unbuckling. Oh, yeah. The unbuckling, is that happening now? Yeah, so putting a couple of belts around me before I go to sleep just isn't doing the trick anymore. Is that how you got that new nickname, Sleepy Houdini? That is exactly how I got the name Sleepy Houdini. I like it. I mean, it suits you. 
It does. I mean, it's it, it's not applied specifically to me. It's what the papers are referring to me as. Ah. Like, who is this sleepy Houdini? Is that what you burnt into the side of the building before you ran away? One person used it, like in a, a blog. Yeah. And it must have stuck because now whenever I go to sleep and burn these buildings, I will just torch sleepy Houdini strikes again <laughs> in the side of the building. And you're sure you're not conscious that you're doing this because it sounds like you are. Well, I mean, now that you mention it, it's always felt like very, very vivid dreams, you know, as if I was actually awake and doing these things. It almost doesn't feel like I've been asleep at all. So you mean that you are awake, aware and conscious while you're committing these acts? Well, no, I mean... Um, I mean, you remember them vividly. I mean, I, I remember every detail of it. Yeah. And it, it's as if I was awake. And, and, and some, do you sometimes consciously make these decisions to do them? Well, yeah, it's it's as if I'm kind of thinking every step through, yeah, and then just acting on it. Once I've kind of been able to process it through my mind, I've then done these things, and I mean, it feels so real. Yeah, I mean, it's because it is real, and it's because you are doing it perfectly awake. Just because you you realise that just because you're doing these things at night doesn't mean that you're asleep. But you're not like a budgie just because the lights get turned off in the room you're in. You think it's night time. Really? You sure? Well, I don't know, but I mean, you're definitely not asleep when you're doing this. So you're trying to you're trying to say that it's more likely that I'm an arsonist setting fire to things than me setting fire to buildings up and down the country, planning my routes, booking an Airbnb the night before. Yeah, you're telling me I'm doing working out what's the cheapest way of travelling on trainline.com. You're telling me I'm doing all of this awake. For the listener at home, I am now nodding intently. Whew, well, that's uh. Pass me that e-meter, I'm feeling a bit stressed. Yeah, tell you what, mate, I think there's going to be some nuggets of truth in Dianetics that's really going to help. <sighs> well. I'll be honest, I'm I'm a pendulum on this subject. I mean, I don't know whether I'm coming or going when it comes to this religion or not. Well, anything will help, I guess. I'm willing to give it another go so I don't end up like the likes of you. Okay, I, I, I'm swaying, I'm swaying. I'll, I'll give it a read, I'll have a look, see what we find out. Let's talk a bit more about LRH and see where we land. Our mental states are both on the line now. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. You've had a revelation. <laughs> Don't I know it? I've remembered the time I sat on the whoopee cushion and everyone laughed at me. Both equal amount of trauma. Exactly, exactly. So going back to Dianetics, like we've said, Hubbard had a very big opinion of himself and the book. And it also basically spawned this huge, huge phenomena where at, at its best, it was selling about 4,000 books a week. Not bad. Not bad, not bad. Better than uh, old J.K. Rowling. Really? I don't know, actually. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That was a baseless claim. Yeah. Someone like you. <laughs> Usually so well-researched. I know, someone like the podcast. Yeah. I do apologise. And there's one instance where I made uh, a claim that was not based in complete fact. I do apologise. I hope you can forgive me this one instance that this has happened on the podcast. Well, I think it's very big of you to apologise. Obviously, you let me down. You let the listenership down, but most of all, you let yourself down. So I'm very glad to hear your contrition on the subject. Thank you. All right, let's move on. Let's just forget about the whole sorry affair. So Hubbard saw this as a way of, I guess even then, like indoctrinating people into this philosophy that he was trying to come up with. But the uh, general consensus... Well, I, I, I'll give you some of the reviews and thoughts that came out with This the book. is reviews of the book Dianetics, which is the kind of founding book and founding principles of Scientology. That's right. So, <clears throat> the American Psychological Association criticised Hubbard, uh, stating that uh, the contents of his book 
are not supported by empirical evidence. Quote here from the Scientific American, which is a publication in America about science. Oh, yeah. So that the book contained more promises and less evidence per page than any publication since the invention of printing. Wow. The New Republic called the book a bold and immodest mixture of complete nonsense and perfectly reasonable common sense, taken from long-acknowledged findings and disguised and distorted by a crazy, newly invented terminology. Hang on. What, are we talking about Dianetics? Because I'm sure that's one of our iTunes reviews. You haven't got them muddled up there. Uh, let me... Uh... Oh, shit, this is the iTunes review. Yeah, okay. Go back to the ones about Dianetics. I was reading through... I was skimming through some of these. I wondered why they were they were saying, sounds like bloody rubbish, what the hell is this? Why are you talking about Morrissey? Why are you talking about this, that, and the other? Mentioning a podcast, which I, I was thinking, I swear that wasn't around back then. No, no, well, that explains it. Okay, well, let me get, get the actual reviews. I didn't realise Scientific American hated us so much. Yeah, I know. We really pissed them off with that Bigfoot episode. Yeah, and, and the American Psychological Association. We pissed them off when we did, was it Darwin or Elvis? A lot of big Elvis fans over there. Oh, yeah, big, uh, yeah, psychological we heads. We made a lot of enemies. Oh, Jesus, I guess we have. Well, here's a quote from Isaac Asimov, a science fiction writer. Great um, science fiction writer. Very great, one of the best. I'm pretty sure this is in reference to him uh, rather than our podcast. Mm. He said that his book was gibberish. Not in a Spike Milligan poetry kind of gibberish. Thing Not like all. a beautiful nonsense kind of way. No, no, no. Like literal shit, I think is what he was getting at. Uh, and that's the man who invented the four laws of robotics, if I recall. Is it four? Three, I think. Yeah, I chuck in an extra one. He invented the first three and I, I added the fourth one. His ones were, I'm paraphrasing, as you can tell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Robot can he harm a human? I see one. Robot can he harm himself? Robot must follow orders. Was that it? Was he Scottish, by the way? Isaac Asimov. That's a it's very, a very, Scottish, a very name, Scottish name. And of course, the fourth and most important roar of, lo roar of lobotics. Robot. <laughs> 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 like some sort of robot here. No, the fourth and most important law of robotics is must take the bins out every tuesday night in preparation for wednesday's bin men yeah that's a that's a robot i could do with yeah i mean you you've got ongoing problems with your bin men haven't you uh, yeah i mean we, we've mentioned it before on the, on the podcast basically to keep people up to speed i accidentally impaled a binman's father when they were on their route with a bin on his last day before retirement on his last day before retirement ended up killing him he's not been picking up my bins ever since Sent me a snotty email the other day. Yeah. And I think we read that on the show, didn't we? We did indeed. And uh, since the email that he sent, it, it's only gotten worse, Sean. You know, I, I thought that it was going to help build bridges, but it's, it's only gotten worse. I'll be honest, uh, you weren't very reconciliatory last time we talked about him. I'm not surprised that it's gotten worse. Well, I mean, he, he was furious at me the other day. Absolutely furious. Mm. It wasn't to do with what I'd said on the podcast. I mean, he'd heard that, but... It was to do with, well, you know how I mentioned earlier that I was, like, setting fire to, to buildings, like, in my sleep? Yeah, you sleepy Houdini. Yeah, well, I mean, I might have accidentally set fire to his house in my sleep. Right, I mean, you're saying that. We have established that you are wide awake when you do this. This one, no, th this was definitely, this one was in my sleep. Right. The others might what have What makes been. you so sure? Because, wait, it was night? Yes... And? I was still wearing my pyjamas. Yes. And? <laughs> well, I mean, like... 
Did you have your teddy under your left arm? I did. Yeah, he was there. Oh, wait, no, hold on. That was a bottle of kerosene. Were you wearing your nightcap and your slippers? I did have that. Uh, maybe you were asleep then. You know, and I just... If it's night, you're in your pyjamas and you got your nightcap on, then you must have been asleep. So I lit this bottle of fuel, lobbed it at the house, in my sleep, okay, ran away, like woke up, like bang, 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 knock on the door. Just like, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? And he's just like, what do you think you're playing at? I'm homeless now because of you. And, and remember, I was asleep, okay? So this, as far as you're concerned... You've just been woken up, you're having a nice kip, someone's banging on your door in the middle of the night. Yeah. Rude awakening. Yeah, and I was just like, well, that's that's an odd dream. That's that's a very strange dream. Mm. And then I just went to the front door, and there, there he is saying, I'm homeless now, you've set my house on fire. Why would you do this? Why do you hate me so much? And I was just saying to him, I was like, what? Now, come on, how can you be sure it was me that set fire to your house? Don't, don't be so silly. Why would I do that? And, and then he was saying... We have CCTV in our street. I saw you. I looked out the window. You were shouting at me for half an hour beforehand, calling me Binman Bastard. And then he, he was giving me all this information. I was yeah. just stood there just like, yap, yap, yap. Yeah. Go on, does he? Blimey. Jesus Christ. And I said I did have a tendency to set fire to buildings in my sleep. It's not personal. It's not something I can help. You explained this to him that it's not personal. I did say to it, I said it's completely in my subconscious. It's not anything that I have any control over. You told him about the Houses of Parliament that you'd done them in recently. Uh, This was before the Houses of Parliament. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I, I told him all this and he didn't understand. He didn't give me any credence for what I was telling him. So, you know, like uncaring and not bothering to listen to my plight. No. My struggle. Do you think I want to set fire to buildings when I'm... As- well, most of them I wasn't asleep for. This one I was. Uh, do, do you think if I you wa- say so. Yeah, do you think I want to set fire to this Binman's building? Um, do I think you want to set fire to the Binman's house? Yes and no. I will say yes, because I can see the glint in your eye and the huge grin on your face that there was a certain amount of enjoyment that carried through even if you were asleep i'll say no only because as part of the contract we each signed when we started this podcast we are agreed to support each other and never contradict each other uh, in any matters regarding the law so i'm in a bit of a tricky position okay well to be honest i probably would enjoy it but that doesn't mean I did it consciously. Well, it's one for the courts, isn't it? Oh, yeah, shit. What time is it? I've got a, got a head... Oh, no, we've got another 20 minutes before you have to shoot off, I reckon. Fashionably late's the thing, isn't it? You can... Within the legal system, yeah, yeah. You can turn up to court. The, yeah, the, the fashionably late clause, that's fine. I can turn up a couple of hours. Yeah, late yeah, yeah. Time. I mean, and as, as your lawyer, I think I can argue that case for you when we arrive. <laughs> they can't do it if neither of us are there. Well, exactly, yeah. What are they going to do? Arrest me too? <laughs> Let's see them try. Bastards. All right, you join us, listeners. We are just totting up the pros and the cons list for Elron Hubbard. Hubbard. I don't know why I said it like that. Elron Hubbard. Uh, So, just finishing up on the cons, we've got charlatan, fraudster, manipulator and big-headed racist bastard. Yeah. So do you know what? You won't believe this. That's 50 pros and 50 cons. 
I was worried you were going to say that because although I still don't like the man, all this talking about my arson, the issues that I've been having with the binman, it, it has dragged something up inside of me. And I, I, I don't know, I just feel... Plus like... you missed the bus this morning. Oh, I missed the bus. Oh, yeah. fuck's sake. You still haven't made it to work yet, have you? No, They're no. They're really going to be wondering where you are. It's been eight hours. No, they've been calling me and calling me on my phone, but like the way I see it, if I'm this late, then I may as well just not turn up yeah, at all. Yeah, no, of course. Got to save face. Well, I'll be honest, I'm undecided on L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology in general, pretty much because I'm quite feeble-minded and mm. I don't know how to make my mind up for myself. Mm. But, I mean, 50 pros and 50 cons, what are we going to do? Uh, coin toss? Yeah, we could flip a coin, yeah. Yeah. All right, hang on. So we've got, like, uh, heads, we become slaves to the cause. Tails, we just do what we normally do and bimble about. Yeah, and just say, fuck Scientology every now and then. Yeah. So which was it? Heads, yay. Tails, nay. Right, here we go. Heads or tails? Tails. Oh, We're not Scientologists. Thank God. Oh, God. Oh, I, I actually feel great to have thrown that shackle off. Yeah, that is uh, a weight off my mind. I was a bit worried then when you were... Because I realised once the coin was in the air, mm. we had to commit to it then. Well, that's it. Whatever it was going to be, heads or tails, we would have stuck with it for the rest of our lives. Oh, you know, I, I feel... It's weird. I feel kind of free now. I feel free. I feel very stressed still. I don't think that's been sorted out. What, why don't you join me on one of my building burnings tonight? All right, all right, okay. That's a surefire way to cure stress. What sort of time shall I come over? Oh, whenever you want. I'm just preparing bottles of fuel for the whole night, so whenever's best for you. All right, I'll see you at about 2am. Perfect. Okay, great. Sounds good. Yeah, so, listener, I guess what we can glean from that is that Hubbard definitely deserves to be in the mailbox rogues gallery. Yep, definitively, he's in. And that we're just people, you know, we're just people that have our own little foibles. We don't necessarily need intergalactic alien religions to help solve our problems. Maybe by discussing our issues with our fellow man and setting fire to things, maybe this is how we can resolve our own problems. Very wise words there from a wanted criminal. <laughs> If I may say so, very eloquently put. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Sleepy Houdini's got another beautiful way to round off the episode. He strikes again. <laughs> well, tonight he will. <laughs> yes, yes, he will. <laughs> we need to think of a sidekick name for me, then, if I'm going to get involved. Sleepy Houdini and and the napping ne'er-do-well. Perfect. Oh. Perfect. Like the Batman Robin of the narcolepsy scene. <laughs> <laughs> we could rebrand this whole podcast, actually. <laughs> we really could. So thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please be sure to let us know. Or perhaps you have some questions that you have for us or even suggestions for people that we can discuss in future episodes. You can reach us with the following methods. Via Twitter, we are at Mailbox Rogues. And we also have an email address, mailboxroguesgallery at gmail.com. You can type googlemail.com and it'll still reach us, apparently. Isn't that a fact? Mm. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not really <laughs> sure. Try and see. Send to both of them. Oh, who knows? <laughs> well, it's Facebook, Mailbox Rose Gallery. Yeah, we have that too. We're on iTunes, Podbean and YouTube. Do leave a review on any of those. And a star rating on iTunes. Yeah. Well, specifically the review and the star rating on iTunes to help us get some of that cash money. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe then we could start a, a cult to, to rival Scientology. It's about time, yeah. Yeah, one one that's about burning things. 
Yes. I'm yes. really embracing this burning you culture really are, yeah. this episode. Yeah. It's becoming a big part of your personality. Yep, I can see it now. And I really, I'm just pleased to see you come out of your shell a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm much happier for it now that yeah. I'm kind of very open about my setting fire to things. Coming out of the arsonist closet, as it were. <laughs> With a wooden closet set ablaze. <laughs> well, do you have one final quote for us from LRH? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> just ended that. <there. laughs>